everybody to another episode of Overdue Rentals, the podcast where we talk about films that people are just not talking about anymore. I'm Matthew Shuckman. And I'm CinemaBlend's Mike Reyes. And Matthew, I, I think today's movie is, you know, it's, it's butter. It's, it's jiggy. It's, you know, it's, it's a thing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's boffo. Well, not just the movie, I should say. Oh, but, yes. But our guest, because we have the one and only Chad Coleman, who everybody, I'm sure, adores. I adore. And he's this, he's an actor that people, everybody's going to know him from something, whether they know it or not, you know, because again, I'm a Wire fan. So for me, even though I may have seen him before, Cuddy's, you know, that's where I, that's where I first start to recognize him. Uh, you know, I am an Always Sunny in Philadelphia fan as well. So seeing him as Z, you know, I love to see him as Z as much as I can, but I love the fact that he's just peppered in there. People, the Orville. I mean, I'm going to forget. I mean, I can have a list in front of me. I'll still forget all the stuff in the Expanse all the stuff that this man is in. Well, that's when you got a great career because it's just, there's, there's something to be said about the character actor or just the well-rounded actor. Oh, and very- I, I, I don't mean to cut you off, Mike, but I should, this, this happened. I was talking to somebody else about this. Cause I'm like, oh, we're going to be talking to Chad Coleman. I started listening, just like I did. I listed all those things people know him from. And of course the one I forget is the one that most people may know him from also, Tyrese from The Walking Dead. Very true. So sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go right ahead, please. No, no, no. That's the, that's a great story that just adds to the texture. This, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, we have we've had great guests on this show, and we'll continue to have great guests on this show. But when you look at Chad Coleman's credits, yeah, it is just amazing that he doesn't already have a pot, didn't already have a podcast going before he created this new show, and he came on to promote this. Uh, Matthew, do you want to talk a little bit more about? Chad's show? Well, just as you said, it's called Humble Hollywood with Chad. Um, and it's based off of basically an organization he already has, but now he's bringing it into a podcast form. And he's going to have a lot of a lot of guests with him. You know, people you may know, people you may not know. We'll see. We'll talk about him. Who knows? Maybe he'll mention a few of those names to us. But, and we'll talk about all of that after as well. But because Chad is also here, of course, to talk about an over rental choice. And he picked one of the true Overdue rentals that you and I both highly agree on on all facets, both being an overdue rental, how amazing it is, which is Ugh. 49's Bowfinger. Now, yes. for, those, for those who haven't seen Bowfinger, if you haven't, it stars Eddie Murphy and Steve Martin, also written by Steve Martin, directed by Frank Oz. And it is basically about, uh, you know, a kind of Hollywood shutout who does everything he can to kind of get into the game and in trying to cast the big action star of the time he stumbles upon somebody that maybe could fill in. Yeah, uh, you know, not to, to put too fine of a point on it just yet, but there is a certain, there are certain sorts of movies that are sweet spots for the both of us. And looking at our list, movies about making movies <laughs> is are, are definitely our thing because sure. I mean, Mistress was one of our early episodes. Uh, State and Maine still on the list that needs to be done. And then we had Bowfinger. Like, I think this was one of the ones where we seriously in the, in our grid comments, we were just like, yes, ah, Bowfinger. And to have Chad Coleman pick this as his rental is just another reason why I'm e extremely excited and you're extremely excited to just let him into the overdue rentals, uh, rental counter. So yeah, I think, I think you should get it, get him in here because we want to talk. Let's talk yes. Chad. Oh, we're ready. It's we're just gonna keep it together, and we're gonna welcome Chad Coleman to the Overdue Reynolds Rental Counter, sir. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for your time and for joining us. It's fantastic. It's amazing to have you here. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's good to be here, guys. 
And thank you for being here for joining us because you're here to yes. promote. You have your own podcast coming out called Humble Hollywood. And I want to know, was this like your own brainchild? How did you, how did this come about? Yeah, absolutely. This came from me years ago. Uh, I've always, uh, and being in Hollywood, I've always uh, struggled with, you know, uh, for those who have given so much and, and, and others having so little, um, I've always tried to reconcile and close the gate on that. Mm. In terms of the, the, being humble was always a reminder to put others first and think of others and help others. So this Hollywood experience is a gift for you to help others and to connect with others, those who the least of these. Give me one second. Yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, that was that was on, uh, and not only that, because I, what I want to do with this is uh, I have humblehollywood.org. And so it's, it's going to be an, uh, I don't, you know, you have to say organization, but all it is is socially conscious and spiritually conscious artists coming together to raise money for 501c3s that are like in the neighborhoods, really trying to help people, mm. but they're short on funds. And so if you can really uh, leverage that Hollywood power, you, you can really help some folks, you know, not just one or two of us showing up, but showing up in the type of numbers that move people and make them, you know, want to want to buy this, buy that, or come and see us, you know, do a reading of a play or uh, not, it's not only actors, singers, artists, any artists. So yeah. uh, I, that's the vision for Humble Hollywood. But I, I wanted to take that into the podcast world too, you know, just that whole sensibility because it's all about nurturing and kindness and it's it's the it's anti-divisive it's it's the curiosity of talking to another human being and not trying to overpower them or be righter than them you know it's all that kind of energy uh, with some friends and and other folks that I, I don't know so well but the testimony is uh conversation is nurturing if you approach it that way yeah. And it can be a joyful experience. And right now where everybody cooped up in their homes still to a certain degree, what's one of the ways to really soothe and nurture someone? To allow them to listen or, and or watch two people connect with each other and, and go on a ride because their curiosity is allowed as opposed to having to be defensive. You know, it's that type of stuff. Well, you said you said two people having conversation because I know you have the live show that will be coming up, but you have a large array of guests. Is it going to be like that, a revolving door, or just like you said, could it be everybody at once doing a table read, doing a short reminiscing of, of past events? Oh uh, no, that's for the that's for the uh, philanthropic side of it. As far as the uh, the concept of the show, it's myself and two co-hosts, two amazing, powerful women uh with uh strong opinions and strong voices and you know we need that as well obviously you know the, the lack of inclusiveness is part of why we go through so much in this country so uh to have varying perspectives that's eden sharon she's an 
Israeli-born actor here in America, and uh, Don Noel, who's of uh, Italian-American descent out of Philly. And uh, we've all known each other for years, and we've got great chemistry together. And so we just take the journey each week with uh, whoever the compelling guest is. And if we we talk or we listen, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> we talk or we listen or we laugh or we... We're, I mean, it's been an amazing journey because I've, I've done about 15 interviews right now. And, uh, you know, we're doing what we can until they catch up with us with the deal. You know, <laughs> So that's where we're at. So we get to rock with amazing people like Frankie Faison and Ernest Dickerson, Costano Loken, uh, Dr. Jeff, Dr. Jeff Gadir, uh, astronaut Dan Tanny. Uh, uh, Charlie Day, Glenn Howard, you know, I mean, uh, these people, just unbelievable. Two rappers who were uh, ex-felons who turned their lives around, and I, I didn't have to say two words, and they, we were all just enraptured, you know, and I'm speaking to the choir because I know you've had these experiences, and you know what oh, it's yeah. like. Uh, people are fascinated. And, and incredibly compelling. Joe Morton and uh, Tracy Moore, you know, because they have the show, uh, the Black Box show on Crackle. And, uh, you know, I go on and on. Um, well, I, I don't mean to, I don't mean, I apologize because I, I haven't even let Mike say anything yet, but I just have to go back real quick because I'm now obsessed. I'm immediately going to hunt I down. I can wait. I am a good boy. <laughs> the minute Where? that episode comes out, I'm going to hunt down Ernest Dickerson episode because oh, God. he's somebody that I think so many people, back when he was doing the DP work for Spike, to yes. you know, he, we also have on our list to talk about at one point or another, Demon Knight, which he directed, which is completely yes. over-directal, but ah! yeah. I think more people need to know about who don't, like they know they've seen his work, but they don't know a lot about Ernest. Right. Yeah. I told him we did part one. I said, dude, we got to do two and three because we can't get it all in. You're, you're an icon. And uh, he's a huge sci-fi guy. And he's doing uh, Raising Wolves now, you know. Um, but uh, we're working on something together, too. So because um, he's a huge sci-fi guy. And I was able to put something together with, with someone. He uh, is a rock star to him. And you probably can guess who it is. Um, uh, one of the most amazing scientists out there today is someone he so I found a way to put them together to do some work so it's pretty amazing even down to other folks like you know Seth MacFarlane and, and Mike Coulter and uh, you know all all sorts of folks who queued up that's for sure besides uh Matthew lying to me uh saying that we are not the only people with a podcast uh <laughs> putting putting that whole yeah. gag aside <laughs> We're both entertainment journalists here, and part of yeah. what I love, and I'm sure what Matthew loves about the podcast space versus a typical junket space. Don't get me wrong; I still I appreciate the fact that we get to talk to celebrities and people in the public eye for even if it's just like two minutes or if it's like a four minute slot. But what's sure. really amazing about the podcast experience is all the things that you mentioned: the fact that we're allowed to have a conversation. It's not just you know, you, you really have to balance between, okay, I want to talk to this person as a human being, but there's news that I want to get out there and I want to be the person to break it. But at yeah. the same time, you get into a podcast, that's more of a trusting, extended sort of circumstance. I, and, yeah. and 
and it, especially now where we are in mm -hmm. a period where the all of these media need more diversity need more voices out there yeah. it's just yeah. amazing that the the proliferation of technology helps that and now everybody's been in that space where they can have more conversations on zoom but they can also listen to more podcasts at home because that's i know before right. this the the big thing was oh i listened to it on my drive that's right yeah and, and that's still part of the equation which is why they talk about how much time because the average drive time for someone is like 20, uh, 30 minutes to work. So you listen to a 27 minute podcast, you know, <laughs> on the way to work. But I was like, listen, it could be an hour. Just listen to it while you're going and listen to the rest coming home. You know what I mean? I, I would always say, man, it's sad. But this thing goes back to the campfire, right? You know, I don't know what language they were speaking. They might have gone, mm, mm, ah. I don't know, but I know that that it was a level of connectivity and there was some genuine nurturing going on and people were trying to understand each other. So from that perspective, uh, storytelling, podcasting is a form of storytelling because the people get the story is that person's life. And so we get to be curious and, um, and we get to go in any direction they want to go. And, and it's full of surprises because there's always much you don't know. You know, what's reported is one thing, but what a person authentically tells you about their own experience is another. What I think is great about that you're the one bringing this to us too is because you, you, you're one of these people who have a very distinct classification in my mind when it comes to like the Hollywood scene because like if I were to go to a room of random people like 10 random people and show them a picture of like Jack Nicholson or or you know like Richard Pryor or something like that you probably get a similar response from all those people where they recognize them from where I can go right. into a room with 10 people and show them a picture of you and they're all going to tell me something different right right so, yeah. like, you have that you kind of have this broad sense where you can bring in all these different I mean everybody can do it but like you can they can yeah. feel this energy coming from you where you know you're a part of all of this yeah yeah thank you that's beautifully said I, I appreciate that greatly um as Seth MacFarlane said to me uh he said you've got to be one of the most versatile actors in Hollywood and so I think it has something to do with that you know the brevity uh and that kind of that kind of range uh, bleeds into my own reality, you know, of what I'm curious, who I'm curious about, who I talk to, all my girlfriends, all my girlfriends, like, you can talk to anybody, we get in a taxi, and you just, how do you do it? And I just Make say, I've had a range of experiences in life, I've, I've met so many different kinds of people, I've spent time in the military, you know, I used to sing classical music, I just, you know, I was bartender, you know, you name it, I've done it, but it's all been about an exchange with people. So um, from that standpoint, I'm just available to people because I'm always fascinated because you just never know what you're going to get, you know, from the taxi driver who told me, I'm, you are not from there. <laughs> I said, I'm from Africa. He said, you are not from there to, you know, to just an old lady that's headed out of the, of the out of the dinner 
uh, out of the restaurant and I just said, look at you in that green, you sexy baby. <laughs> and she just goes, you made my night. Um, it, it's just about having fun with the people and, yeah. you know, and when you're comfortable in your own skin, uh, people recognize that. And, and, um, and there's a certain um, access, if you will, that, that you can gain because there's some kind of sense of trust already. I've never, I mean, like being around Bill Clinton, you know, the dude just made, you just felt like you knew him all your life. You just felt like his buddy, you know? Now his might be a little more calculated. I, I don't have the calculated in because I don't have any agenda, you know? So then they go, oh my God, this dude's just a nice guy. Like, yeah, it's okay to be that. I'm grateful for, you know, to be able to, all I'm trying to do is my part in nurturing us and, and bringing us together and, and stopping, you know, a lot of this, you know, polarization that's going on. Now is, again, that is another one of those things that is ever in the present where now more than ever we need to get pe we need to get people talking about the right things but also we need to realize the things that we can talk about freely and as friends and yeah that is definitely that's that's just our bread and butter here because on top of talking about movies that deserve more love it's just one of those things where you could mention like we i think we were both surprised that someone else like we're, we're usually surprised when someone else picks up on anything on our list but bowfinger mm -hmm. is especially something that we were both <laughs> excited for someone yeah. to pick up on because yeah. this movie i don't know if it exists now in the context that it was made back in like this was 1999 i believe this was and this is the summer where you've got phantom menace and like entrapment came out and the mummy comes wow. out and like out, yeah. of, out of this yeah. summer yeah you get steve martin and eddie murphy team together which is something that, that was... i feel like should have happened there now. you go. And I'm with you. That's where it all began, first and foremost. Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy together. I got to see this. Now, this became a family favorite for us. You know, we just happened upon it. And uh, my kids and my ex-wife, we were all just losing it. But it's also a spoof on the entertainment industry. And and what's going on in, in Hollywood and so and that aspect of it and then the aspect of trying someone trying to produce something and what it takes in Hollywood to just try to produce something to what end are you gonna go and just uh just a band of brothers if you will and I mean brothers and sisters I mean all of us together trying to put something together was just uh you just couldn't beat it. And then the Scientology under, you know, like, yeah, 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 under the radar. And then Eddie Murphy playing that geek, that geek, I don't know, I, can you, will you cut your hair? I, I, I could, but someone else normally does it for me. <laughs> or him running across the highway. Oh my God, Emily Fowler, Emily Fowler, we, we couldn't get enough of it. I could. That's one of them that I could watch for any time, all the time, because it's 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 a blast, man. It's just it's a real good time with with implications that are deeper than may be apparent. Oh yeah, and then just again, 
Eddie Murphy playing two different roles and not having the major prosthetics that he did with with Nutty Professor just showed his range all the better. Crazy. All he needed was some glasses and some braces. (laughs) Yeah. And 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 it was on. And that was a totally different guy than uh than the uh what what was is it Kip? I know that the the the, the place they yeah, Kip. Except the DM was I am Keith. I am Keith. Right, right, right. Keep it together, keep it together. be brought down a peg. <laughs> yeah, yes, indeed, indeed. The haircut joke, though, I think is the perfect place to explain how amazing this movie is because that's a joke that if it's just written and performed by anybody, it's great. But then you have not yeah. only Eddie Murphy performing it where it's not completely out of the box over the top, but it's, but it's very silly. <laughs> At the same time, yeah. it's genuine and kind of like heart. Like, like yes, really yes. That's, you fall in love with that character. If you don't love him yet, you fall in love with him right there. Hey, I, I don't know. I, you know, it's just ah, priceless, brother, priceless. That, that, that and the highway and Heather, Heather, Lord, Heather was, oh, my goodness. So, oh, boy. But at the whole group, you know, I just love. Uh, uh, what's her name? Was that uh, Christine? Christine no. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, ah. yeah, man. He was just brilliant. I mean, that performance, bro. Come on, the film. She's truly the film Patel, and, and she that, knows it. Yeah, turn stamp stomp wings. Exactly, ah. man. Uh, it, the Robert it, Downey it Jr. Just, cameo. Uh, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Man, just priceless. And I, I don't remember the little Latino guy. Uh, his name is the actor. <laughs> he's hilarious. He was, you know, he's part of the crew. He's yeah. part of the crew. It's just, it's just like all of them, everybody have this, this room for everyone, a room for everyone to have their moment and, and then yet be as crazy and as over the top as you can get. But, uh, yeah, I love that. Love that movie. Yeah, it's almost. And we're never laughing at anyone. No. We're no, never, I never felt never that. Never punching down on anyone, even when that no. would have been so easy. Yes, I agree. I agree that. I mean, and if I had chosen another one, it would have been Tropic Thunder. So you know, I love or Waiting for Guffman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <I agree. laughs> all, all amazing yeah, films. Yeah. Oh my God! Just really, just spending it beautifully, but keeping a level of humanity that we know that these are real people. And that's that's a tricky balance that sometimes, you know, filmmakers don't often are able to uh, reach. But yeah, these these flicks are, I tell people about it all the time. A lot of people have not seen it. And that's why we want to talk about it. Because this is, even again, like Mike was saying, like the films that were coming out at that time, because now even though a lot of great films come out, it's, it's all about just like the big, box office hits are just the superhero movies or the big action blockbusters where there was a time where the comedy could have been the king of the box office. It was the king of the box office. This made yeah. almost $100 million yeah, in 1999. Yeah. yeah. I don't think they paid, uh, I don't know, what was the budget? Maybe $30 million? 55. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, yeah, they doubled it pretty much. So, yeah. Yeah. Like back then, now, I, you know what I didn't know? I, I forgot. Who was the director? Frank Oz. Frank Oz. The oh wonderful Frank yeah, Oz. There you go. Yeah, uh, yeah, there you go. That now, there sense. is a career to talk about. 
Yes, brother. That that makes total sense now. He had an iconic legend at the helm. That was uh that's great. It's pretty amazing. But I love I love also going back to the idea of it, you know, also being a comment about like, kind of that Hollywood scene. Yes. For it a was. lot of people, they think it, it may be far-fetched like being a joke, but at the end with the idea that, yeah, their Mexican crew, they're now making their own deals. They got their chains on, they got their nice threads, exactly. and they're in the game already. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, it was riffing on a lot of different levels that, you know, if you if you don't know, it may go over your head. But yeah. being in the game, you go, wow. You know, I mean, all of us can relate to on some level trying to put some little film together and you don't have a permit and you just roll up somewhere and you're doing shit. Yeah, run, everybody. We got to get the hell out of here. <laughs> Come to cops, man. So, oh, I love that stuff, man. Roger Corman School of Filmmaking. Yeah. Oh, my God. It, it didn't, just, it, what it did to him, you know? He's like, what the hell is happening to me? He don't even know he's in the movie. See, that's the nature of a lot of our lives. People don't realize they're in your movie. You're in my movie. And not only that, you're the star of it. Yeah, I love it, it. You know what? It's again, just like, I know we keep bringing it back, but it's like the whole idea of like, every time you think about it, another thing pops in your head. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm going to get those pencils. I'm going to make them sharp. <laughs> and it's just like... <laughs> You can't you can't deny how great this movie is, and I'm glad yeah. that you came to talk to us about it. Of course, man. Of course. Thank you, guys, for having me. Thank you again, and uh, good luck. And hopefully, we'll have you back. We'll talk about Tropic Thunder. We're waiting for Guffman, whatever it may be. All right. Hey, it's been a blast, guys. I'd love to come back. Stay safe. Take Thank care. You. I will. You too. Ah, uh, say that again. I was saying, I hope to see you on the next season of The Orville. Oh, of course you will. Yes, yeah, major, major stuff, bro. Uh, they pushed it back to June, so yeah. So we won't become, but it's going to be epic. That's for sure. It will be epic. Thanks again. Thank you. All right, guys. Take care. But Chad Coleman, ladies and gentlemen, I there is a love that comes out of that man's voice. Yes, yes. and I really, and I, I really just enjoyed that conversation and. Again, we could, this is another guest where we could talk to anybody for hours. Yeah. And if anyone wants to set up like a podcast marathon for charity, we'll do a live event where we just talk to people for hours, you know, let us know. But still the time that we did have with Chad just now, brilliant, just absolutely fantastic. And I feel like we, well, I always, I always want to have people back. I'm not, I'm just, you know, no, I'm always going to, no, I, I, I want to have you back. I definitely want to have him back. I mean, I because I, I would like to talk to Chad for like, and again, maybe bringing up, I'm sure, he, I'm sure he hears from everybody, all of his roles, if you want to talk to him about it. But I would like to maybe get that time to kind of delve into some of that stuff with him as well, because he's somebody who can be all over the spectrum, like from one minute to the next, like be completely, I mean, every, every actor can be that, but he's like, like we did when we talked to him, he's got this like special sweet spot that only very few people in the history of entertainment kind of have and he's right there but what i love about bowfinger specifically not that he picked it well of course that he picked it and we got to talk about it but what we didn't get to mention is in many ways even though it's not like steve martin and eddie murphy fell off the map but this was kind of like a comeback movie for both of them in a lot of ways because the stuff they had coming out at that point wasn't hitting 
as popular as, as, as their older stuff had been at the time. A lot of people were, you know, they had fans of their movies, but the critical response was not it. Bowfinger was just kind of like a, a spotlight shown back onto them in a little bit. And it was the perfect, just crossroads of everything for, for, for all of it. Oh yeah. I mean, to, to give our listeners some historical context in case they may not know, at this point, Steve Martin was doing a lot of fan. Well, he wasn't doing as many family comedies, but you know, he was just coming off of the out of towners, which exactly really do anything. Uh, and Eddie Murphy, I think Eddie Murphy was still, he was still in sort of a, a trans, a, a sort of a transitional phase. Well, I'm going to, I'm now going to see as this like is bad the, I have my internet open. I'm going to look it up because I believe I've got it because this is just, Oh wait, no, he was in a good place right now. Well, are you sure, are you sure that, Oh, I thought Pluto Nash came out before this. But even oh, after right. Pluto Nash, like he had Mulan and Dr. Doolittle in 98. And no, then yeah, it's absolutely, it's true. Yeah. And we're still two years out from him doing Shrek. He's still doing Nutty Professor at this point. In my it's, head, I guess I forgot about it a little bit. But you know, on the Steve Martin side, definitely, Eddie Murphy side, I was wrong. I apologize, everybody. Yeah, but still, you, you go back to 1999 and to think, okay, Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy yes. star in something together. That's, that's a holy shit moment. It's still a holy shit moment to look back in this so much that the, this is back in the era where there's a lot of things you're able to get away with. When you when they made Bowfinger, that they you probably wouldn't be able to get away with this movie now, and it's not because of content. Although there's a couple lines that have not aged well. Uh, one specific instance of Eddie Murphy talking about uh, mental disability and slavery movies, and to play a a slow-minded slave, he would get an Oscar. Only there's a, another word that's used in there. Yes, but in the same breath, I mean, as it's been used in other movies past this point, which again, probably still wouldn't play, it's it's kind of a strange truism in the Hollywood world, which is what makes it worth it in a lot of ways, whether or not you're offended by it or not. Oh, no. It, it's yeah. a reflection of that kind of attitude that comes out of Hollywood. So, oh, I have so, no problem with the joke. It's just the terminology is the, 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 the yeah, warning yeah. I'm giving. But the it's joke still, itself, still. no, that's... I mean, a couple of years later, Ricky Gervais would write that line for Kate Winslet saying that if you want to win an Oscar, uh, play in a Holocaust movie. And then she won her Oscar for The Reader a couple of years later. Tropic Thunder had a whole big speech. But I mean, again, that was a bit oh, yeah. did get picked on by, by, the, by uh, you know, a lot of groups and media during the time as well. But it was there. Yeah. And and Chad also did did mention that because that's that's another great. Oh, yes. Parallel. Like, that would be a great double feature. But again, get, getting back to the point at hand. This is an era where 1999, you make a comedy about making movies for 55 million. It grosses 98.6 the same summer that Phantom Menace was cleaning up, even though this was pushed to, to August. And you've got Terrence Stamp sort of linking the two together. But most importantly, the poster. I want people to go pull up the poster right now. All the poster is, is in big letters, the con is on. Yeah, you've got Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy in character, and then you've got the usual, you know, credits together for the first time, like under that. But this is such a simple poster. But you go back to 1999, and it's like, wow, you just put like you just put two of the heaviest hitters in comedy, yeah, in the same movie, well, casting Eddie Murphy in two different roles. 
Well, that's the thing, because this is people are used to Eddie Murphy doing the multiple roles thing way before this at this point. So it's well, great it's to kind of just like fun. now pare it down a little bit because again, I we mentioned it a little bit during the interview because him as Kit Ramsey, as who's the action star, is you know very, very kind of not straightforward because again, the persona is very like what you expect to be that Hollywood you know, self, you know, self-inflated yeah. ego type person. But again, we see him in his mind head meetings, uh, you know, breaking <laughs> down a little bit. But then you have Jif Ramsey, you know, the, the, the lost, I mean, for spoilers, we're having people watch it yet, watch it by now. Um, you know, his, his kind of estranged brother um, who is so perfectly over the top geeky, but in the same time, he reigns so it in. heart-wrenchingly, like, sweet. He's the, he is the literal heart of this because especially mm-hmm. there's the, that's, that's Bobby Bowfinger's turning point where he sees him and he's like, I just like working with all these people that I love so much. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, since this is a Frank Oz movie, there is another film that I drew parallels with between, uh, parallels of uh, two with this film. I don't know if that sentence fucking worked. I'll try it again. There is another movie that I drew parallels to that Frank Oz is known for. This feels like a more adult-oriented, more darkly comic, but not too darkly comic, version of the Muppet movie. You have this group of cast-offs that are are just have this admiration for making movies, and the movie does not punch down at them. I think I mentioned this in the interview, but the movie doesn't punch down at its characters. It punches down at the industry. Yeah. But the characters, even Daisy, even Heather Graham's Daisy, which I'm, I'm waiting for someone I'm waiting for like Tarantino or someone to bring Heather Graham into the forefront again, because she really is fantastic. And just you watch her. and, And for most of the movie, you're thinking, Oh, she's just sleeping her way to the top and sort of like a, a random fashion. But then she has that talk with Steve Martin and she's she's like, look, I'm from Ohio, but I'm not from Ohio. And you just realize that- She's cunning. She's cunning. She is. But at the end of the day, she doesn't do it with any ill will. And then when she brings her new girlfriend to the cast party, everyone's like, hey, it's like this family truly understands and accepts each other. And I love that that all comes together at the premiere. Yeah, it's- it's, uh... Again, as much as we talk about, you know, the brilliant underpinnings of how it is smart and sweet and clever and all this other stuff, it's just straight up funny. Oh, absolutely. For as many comedies I love out there, and again, you know, we talk about it because even though there are good comedies now, they're not they're not the same to me. And I and I also think I can watch something that is one of the most brilliant comedies of all time and not laugh. Because I can watch something and go, that's that's smart, that's funny, but not actually laugh out loud. But this movie has all of those layers, and it's one of the few movies since it came out that still does that. And it just is so special, and everybody who hasn't seen it, you must see it. So, so I found some in, I found some interesting trivia on the Wikipedia. Oh. Did you know they wanted to cut the freeway scene? No. Universal wanted to cut the freeway scene, according to Wikipedia. I think this is from an Empire interview. Uh, They wanted to cut the freeway scene because they thought it was going to be too expensive. Ah. And then Steve Martin's like, no, 
That's the funniest. That's the funniest uh, joke in the movie. That was because it was that was a massive part of the marketing too. That was like literally was. your your trailer, your clips. That's where it all came from. Okay, so which Eddie Murphy performance do you prefer? Which one do you prefer? Because I'm not because both of them are just fantastic, it, Murphy. But which performance do you prefer? It is tough. That is a very tough question for me to answer because just like we were talking about that the haircut joke which i think is again could have been funny out of anybody's mouth but the way he put it together there and the way he delivered it gives you the comedy plus the sweetness on a level i don't think many other people were going to do and just like i mentioned again at the end of it because i keep this is one of these jokes that keeps coming back to my mind it's just very simple the idea that they try to send him they try to use him as the the gopher on the set because he prefers to do that than acting. Yeah, and it's just like listening, listening. It's like I gotta get coffee, you know? and I'm gonna bring it back here, and you're gonna drink it. I'm gonna get pencil, I'm gonna make it sharp. You know, it's like it's brilliant. But the kit stuff when he's breaking down, when he's losing his mind, is also some of the greatest stuff I've ever seen. And I don't know how I can rank them against each other. To be honest with you, the more that I think about it, it may have been a little unfair. But I think I would choose Jif just because of that extra dimension that's added to the character of the warmth and the the emotion that Eddie Murphy, we know Eddie Murphy is a talented comedic performer. We've known that for decades. But re, we very rarely got to see that sort of warmth and that sort of shyness and reservedness outside of sure. the family stuff that he would do. But that's the thing also, too, because why it's easy, I think, and I'm not trying to say that, oh, you picked the easy route. That's not what I mean at all whatsoever. No. It's easier to also think GIF's better because GIF, the entire movie, is pure entertainment. Kit has to have scenes where it's more the straight man than anything else. And so even does even though he has stuff outside of it, there's less of Kit to latch on to than there is for GIF. True. But those... Again, when he when he just starts losing his mind and breaking down, oh god! Even earlier on, is like you know again, like the like you're talking about the, uh, the his the simple uh, grin, just the simple yeah. grin, is what really makes Jif like some of those scenes. But yeah, but here here I will go back and talk about just exactly what you're talking about with Jif and what we're both talking about with Jif, because you did it during the interview. The whole break when he's telling his dream about. Uh, uh, Robert Kennedy, uh, Jeff Kennedy, uh, John Kennedy, talking about Which the Laker girls. Which is such a girls. beautiful callback. No, but but it's when he finishes it, and you see like he's his seriousness, and he you see him start to then worry about it after he says it, and his face kind of turns a little bit, and he's he's like almost like crying. Like that's that's yeah. kind of brilliant. Okay, no, you mentioning that is absolutely fair. Just as brilliant as I didn't realize that he, it's just a beautiful callback to earlier. He's like, oh, Bobby Kennedy is an eighth block. <laughs> different. And it's just that. And then just all of a sudden seeing that gagging is like, wait a minute. This is, this is something special here I didn't pick up on. Hey, and uh, down a peg or two. And <laughs> that's, that, that, is, that is still one of my favorite things that my brothers and I would reference it every now and then. <laughs> because they, they, were, they were too young to watch it in its entirety. But you know, uh, okay. I was school. it was when I was taping things like this and the Spanish Prisoner and LA Confidential and Dark City off of pay per view, and then just every, they 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 saw the Laker bit. So every now and then, someone was gonna be like, "Hey, Laker girls!" <laughs> That's right. Hey, Laker girls! Uh, 
this also reminded me of an interesting story that we had recently, and I wish it had a different ending, and it almost did. We saw Heather Graham at the Adam Project screening. Yes, we did. We, we and I, and I still wish we asked her to take that photo with us. Well, we, all right. For those who are listening, uh, Mike and I went to uh, what was what we found out was the very first ever screening for the Adam Project, which will be coming out on March 11th uh, through Netflix. And uh, during the after party, we see a bunch of people, of course, and then Heather Graham's right there. But Mike and I are lined up to kind of do a uh, publicity picture kind of thing. And Mike kind of wanted to try and ask her to like be in the picture with us. I said, oh, she's talking to somebody. Maybe we'll just after go and talk to her. She's right there. It's like, we're here. And she's like right next to us. And we'll just wait till after. And of course, as soon as we finish, she left. <laughs> that was a night of close calls because we were this, if it wasn't for the photo booth line, we were going to go try to talk to Christopher Lloyd. Like he was there too. Yeah. Chris, yeah. I mean, Christopher Lloyd was also right there. And we're like, all right, we got to talk to him. But as we're waiting, he starts to walk down. I'm like, we felt so bad. It's like, we can't, the man's no. just like, just let him go. Let's don't, don't bug him. But you know, maybe one day we'll, we'll grab him and, and talk to him. Doc Brown stops for no one. And it's like, I, if, uh, even just, you know, Christopher Lloyd, you just, you're watching him walk through and it's like, we're not going to be the guy that's like, oh, Mr. Lloyd, Mr. Lloyd. And like Mark Ruffalo, that same, same night, if I remember. Yeah. He, well, he, well, fine. It's like, okay. You know, it, I think that's something that if you go to enough of these events, or even if you just start working in entertainment journalism, you really start to learn the lesson of, okay, I'm not going to, like, as a fan, you want to be like, oh, could you please? And it's like, yeah. you see it differently. Whereas now it's like, okay, I, I understand there are handlers, there is time, there are schedules, and so they are people and they just want to go home. And it's like, go yeah. home. It's the same thing, like, again, when we see people for the job, when we're scheduled to sit down with them, um, you still have that same feeling. It's like, you know that there are other people there who are going to do the same thing as you, and they're going to try and, like, somehow think they're going to make them their friend and all this other stuff. And it's like, you know, I, I want to let you, I want to let you be you. Yeah, if I can reach out to you and talk to you, great. You know, that, that's fantastic. But I want to do it on a level of like, hey, how you doing? Not like we're so pressed for time because we know everybody's leaving to do that. Let's bombard you with all this crap that you don't want to deal with right now because they shouldn't have to deal with it. Yeah. I mean, do we want guests for our podcast? Yes. But yeah. do we want guests for our podcast that are willing participants instead of, okay? Yeah, exactly. And that's just, you come to us, we come to you. Overdue Rentals is about celebrating and love and happiness and movies that the rain is so chubby that you realize they're basically spoofing the Imagine Entertainment logo with the opening credits to that fake film. There is and Matthew, we oh, go on. Oh, go ahead, sorry. Uh, okay, so I, I'm assuming you're, you're winding up for the, the wrap up. So I'm just going to mention one more piece of trivia that I just stumbled upon. Oh, oh boy. Guess who was originally considered, who, who Kit Ramsey was written for. Okay. All right. I know. I know. I don't want to sit here in silence for too long. If you want to multiple, I got to a little bit of a silence. Trying to think. I got to think about the timing. I got to think about. Definitely not Schwarzenegger. No. 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 Okay. I'll give you a multiple choice. Okay. So we've got oh. Will Smith. Okay. Ewan McGregor, or Keanu Reeves. Well, it's it's definitely not Ewan McGregor. So it's between Will Smith. <laughs> 
and Keanu Reeves. I'm gonna go. Huh? Matrix situation here. Well, I was gonna say Keanu because I was thinking, will I mean while while still being a star at that point, it wasn't like Bad Boys Two yet kind of stuff. So I'm thinking Keanu. It's Keanu. Apparently, Steve Martin wrote this for Keanu Reeves, but Brian Grazer was the one that brought Eddie Murphy into the picture, and Steve Martin was like, yes. And while I love Keanu Reeves, no, that would have yeah. been a way different movie. No, this, 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 this had Eddie Murphy written all over it, I think. That probably, you probably wouldn't have gotten Steve Martin in a lead with him. Like, maybe Martin would have wanted to play it, but they probably would have pushed for someone else. Mm. Just because I could see them having chemistry, but it has to be a very unique set of circumstances, especially with Steve Martin, because Martin's writing is just very, I have always loved his writing. Like Pure Dribble is one of the funniest things, one of the flat out funniest things I've ever read. The Pleasure of My Own Company is an amazing novel. Uh, and, and, you know, he wrote this movie, he's written other films. I also forgot to mention, this is Steve Martin in that Spanish prisoner era. So no wonder it was so good. My favorite thing of all time to mention is that, I mean, I think, I, I don't know if I have it on the list because I always thought it was so strange. I don't, you, you remember the movie Traitor with Don Cheadle and Guy Pierce? Yeah. Okay. You know, that, he didn't write the I script, but the story idea is credited to Steve Martin. What? Yeah. And I, spoiler alert for people who have never seen Traitor. I've never I, seen it. Plug your, oh, you've never seen it. I've never seen it. Okay, what I will say is, I don't know this for a positive, but I'm basically, I think the final twist is basically, I think somebody was at lunch with Steve Martin on set and he said, it would be great to make a movie where this happens. And then somebody wrote a whole script around it. Stranger things have happened. Uh, Dave Grohl got Studio 666 out of that technically, I think. Because I think he came up with the idea and then some other writers he worked with like fleshed it all out. But, oh, well, now I have to yeah, see but Yeah, but, but, uh, but, uh, but a... Um but a political thriller terrorist yeah. thriller you know even though steve martin's done plenty of dramatic stuff you don't you know people wouldn't atone it to him well yeah the the drama that steve martin tends to write and tends to work with is more personal and very much relationship wise well, yeah. well that's why i say i think because when you he, when you know the twist of the movie and what happens in traitor i have a feeling like he just kind of presented to somebody as like this joke and somebody said no that's a good idea, and wrote a serious thriller around it. Joke's on you, Steve. How about a story credit? It's, I know it's it's story by Steve Martin, and that's it. That's what it, that's what it's that. You know what? I I I think we're gonna have to put Trader on on our on I our. On there. I think it is. I don't know. Well, this that that's what overdue rentals is about. Not only celebration, but lists, yes. putting things on and crossing them off. Things that we just you know every week. It's we're gonna put one on. We're gonna try and put one on, but we're definitely crossing one off. And you should now go cross Bowfinger off your overdue rentals list. Make sure Synergy. you go check out Humble Hollywood. Humble, ah, make sure you go check out Humble Hollywood with Chad and Mike. Humble Hollywood with Chad Coleman. That's almost like yeah. Humble Hollywood with Chad Coleman. Humble Hollywood. Like, it's that's a tongue twister, right? It's a tongue twister. But Mike, Bravo, Mr. Coleman, and thank you for being our guest. Yes, thank you so much. And along with everybody checking those things out, where can people check us out? Well, um, I think people have been checking us out after our recent uh, episode with Mr. Sean McLaughlin, also known as Jack Septicai. But if you want to see content from that episode, if you want to listen to that episode, there's places you can go. 
You can find us on TikTok and Instagram at Overdue Rentals Show. On Twitter at Rentals Overdue. On Facebook at Overdue Rentals. And if you want to email us love letters, suggestions, and uh, messages to pass on to each other, you can email us at OverdueRentals at gmail.com. Yes, I do have my sheet in front of me again. Thank you very much for asking. Michael, stop reading from this point. Oh. But most importantly, if you do want to listen to other episodes, and you do, trust me, you do, you can find us wherever you grab podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, like wherever you feel you can Audible. ethically source. Audible, wherever you feel you can ethically source our podcast, go rate, review us, subscribe, keep Break. the doors open to the rental shop because we've got shelves to fill and we've got movies to discuss. Michael. Matthew. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.